So we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I heard a story. I shared this on, on a Tuesday morning one time. But it's about a, a story about a monk who sent out word that he was going to be preaching on a Sunday morning about the love of God. And so all the towns started getting excited and started making their way to the, the chapel, the cathedral that morning to hear the message, primarily because no one had ever heard him talk before. He's a monk. And so they showed up, and in the darkness of the altar, the monk lit a candle, and he walked over and he, he illuminated the, the cross, and then he raised the cross and, or the candle and illuminated the crown of thorns, and then he moved the candle as a Catholic tradition to the hands and the feet of Jesus where the holes in his hands and feet would have been upon hanging on the cross and he blew the candle out and he walked out of the cathedral. Really nothing else was needed to be said about the love of God. And so, you know, it's Valentine's Day, so what does a preacher do? He preaches about love. And so... As I'm putting this thing together, I told my wife the other day, I said, I, I'm not really even excited about my sermon because God wants to do something and he's not sharing with me what he wants to do. But, but it's, especially after experiencing some time in Jerusalem and in Israel, I see a different kind of love. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer angry, I just repented up there. I'm more angry with me than anybody else because I'm a leader in the Church of America. And so if it lacks anywhere in its ministry, if it lacks anywhere in its love, if it lacks anywhere in its obedience, anywhere, uh, that weight falls on me. And, um, you know, as I was walking around with 27 other pastors. This tour was specialized for pastors. That's why we were able to talk to people that most tourists don't get a chance to, to mingle with. And like this gentleman I spoke about a few minutes ago, and, and I'm listening to these pastors share their heart, and I'm listening to where they are. They weren't, they weren't complaining. They weren't gossiping. They were just sharing where their church is at and, and, and what they want to take back from that experience. And and every time I heard them talking, my spirit in me, and this, isn't, this wasn't a prideful thought at all, but my spirit in me said, great, why he's doing that? And I didn't want to tell these pastors, oh, we're already doing that. I don't want to feel like, make them, you know. But church, I came back with this, with this thought that we're on the right track. We're doing something right as a body of believers. And, and I know that we're not the only church doing it. There are others, but many of the pastors I talk to are, are a little bit behind the curve. And so as I come back to the States, the thing I come back with is, is this area of love. These people love their land, and they love God. And most of them, many of them, don't even know who Jesus is yet. Many of the Jewish people don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. And so my heart breaks, and I know that there's going to be a great awakening. I know that there's going to be a great eye-opening before the return. I know that's going to happen. But, but as I'm sitting in a rabbi's house having Shabbat dinner 
one of the pastors asked him, so you don't believe Jesus is the Messiah? And he said, no, the Messiah hasn't come yet. And my heart just grieved. And this pastor wanted to kind of challenge him a little bit, and I just kind of put my hand on his, on his leg. I said, this is not good. You're in his home <laughs> being served by his family. This is not the place for that. And so, of course, the greatest chapter to go to when we talk about love is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And Pastor Kerry, I, I, meant, I knew there was something else I wanted to do. Um, I only put verses 8 through 13, but I just want to read the whole chapter. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Go ahead and open it up in your Bibles. Uh, when we get to 8, it'll be there, and my wife's probably working on getting the whole thing there anyway. But I just want to read this as we kind of set the tone for today over the next 15 or 20 minutes. And I'm excited we have a baptism today, so don't run off. Be a, be a participant in that, amen. Let's shout out to the world what God is doing inside of our hearts. And the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians, 13, it says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but, not have, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Here's the qualifiers. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. does not seek its own. It is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. When that, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When, as I, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, ladies, don't be nudging your man right now. That's not a very nice Valentine's gesture. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, your word amazes me. Your people amaze me even more sometimes the love they have for you, the love that they have for their Savior. And I pray that we would grow in this area, that we would learn agape love, that we would learn what true love really is. And Lord, I pray for an anointing this morning on my lips and on the ears. and Let us be sensitive to your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name. Have you ever wondered how Valentine's Day came about? There's a few different stories out there. But about 250 years after Jesus was born, there was a priest. His name was St. Valentine, and he lived in Rome. At that time, uh, Claudius was the emperor of Rome. 
some people called him Claudius the Cruel. And St. Valentine didn't like him, and neither did many other people. Claudius wanted a big army, and he thought that every man should volunteer for that army. He believed that that was what should happen. But many men didn't want to join the army. They wanted to stay home because they were in love with their girlfriend or with their wife. And so people weren't joining the army the way he thought. So what Claudius did is he put out a, um, a decree that you could not perform marriages anymore. And so St. Valentine, he didn't like that very much because one of his most favorite things to do as a priest was to, to marry young couples that were in love. And so many young people thought it was cruel, and, and St. Valentine, he just thought it was ridiculous. Can I get an amen? But, but Valentine, he kept on performing these ceremonies, and he did it in secret. He would whisper the words of the ceremony while he was listening for the soldiers to come and disrupt that ceremony. We'll get back to that in a minute. And so today, as we think about love, I want to give you three points about love that have kind of just been vibrating in my spirit. And so I'll probably tie some Israel opportunities and, and, and sites and visits during this, especially one I know because I've already put it in there. But number one, it just love stands for truth. Love, love doesn't take a back seat in regards to truth. Our, our text said that prophecies will fail, that tongues will cease, that knowledge will vanish, but it said love never fails. Love doesn't sit down. Love, love doesn't take a break. It doesn't rest. It doesn't say, I'll be back tomorrow. It stands firm. And I love this verse in Psalm chapter 40, verse 9 and 10. It says, I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord, you yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. We should be shouting love. Love should be what comes out of us every time we come in contact with anybody. We should. The thought keeps coming to me, even since before Israel. This is where I, I'm, I'm working towards in my life. Just love people where they're at. Just love people where they're at. And when you stand in that kind of love and you, and, you, and you move in that kind of love and you love people regardless of their sin, uh-oh, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their religion, regardless of their BS, that's belief system. <laughs> that's what that means when I use it. When you love people... That's what it means. I don't know what you were thinking, but that's what it means. There, there's another man I met. Show this picture, babe. 
Father Nadef. And, and if you um, go to my Facebook page, I'm following him. You can read about this man. He's a Greek Orthodox priest from Nazareth in Galilee. And he is in the heat of it. Matter of fact, the Greek Orthodox Church wanted to excommunicate him because of his gospel message. And he won that fight, and they're letting him stay against all their pretenses. They don't, they don't want to, but he kind of put them in a box. He kind of tied them up. Here's a man who, uh, when, we, when we went to that church, um, they kind of ushered us out the back door right into the front doors of that building. Even though it's right in the open, everybody knows he's there. They really didn't want everyone to know that there were a bunch of Christian pastors in the building for obvious reasons. And he shared his story with us, and he talked about how many times he's been beaten, accused falsely, how many times his son, who's about 16 or 17, has been beaten on his way home from school, and the persecution that he faces. And if you are on Facebook, you, you, you'll see this, because I put this there, but it says that, here, here's his statement. He says, I didn't answer the call of God to become a voiceless, actionless robot in the church. <clears throat> and I wonder how many of us would take that kind of persecution and still say that kind of statement. Or like my other friend says, it's just made me a beast for Christ. These are, these are men that are in an environment where most people are either Jewish. I, I think the Christian population... In, in, in Israel is about 2%. There's way more Muslims than there are Christians. Matter of fact, we can't even go into Nazareth because it's a hot spot. So the place Jesus was born, we can't go. We were on the other side of the wall. There it is. Don't go. <laughs> We're standing at the east gate at one point, and that's the place where Jesus is going to return. And it was, it was kind of fun because all the gates we talked about, we did that study here in Nehemiah. And so as I was sharing, you know, just kind of talking, some of the pastors were like, well, how, how do you know all this stuff? So I love Google Drive. This is why I use it. I was able to pull up my sermons, and I shared it with some of the pastors. They were able to read them on the bus. And, but right below the eastern gate, the, uh, the Muslims put a cemetery there. They control that land, and they think that by having a cemetery there that Jesus won't return there. So, so they deny that Jesus exists, but just to be safe, I feel sorry for those that are buried there because they're going to be resurrected first and have to, ha have to stand judgment first, amen, because there is going to be a line, and I think they're going to be first in line. So it's like, do you even hear yourself? Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's risky to stand up against injustice and to stand up against hatred and to stand up against prejudice. Sometimes it's difficult to oppose the world's views. We see that in America. The, the, the same-sex agenda as far as marrying people of same sex. I don't have any problem with anybody who, who is gay or lesbian. I love them, but I can't in right conscious, perform that ceremony. I'll love you, and you can come to church, and you can praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? 
But there's some things that we just cannot allow ourselves to do. We have to stand for truth. Sometimes it's difficult to proclaim the truth of the love of God. But that's what St. Valentine did, and that's what my buddy Father Nadeff did. No, he does every day. He stands for truth. And, and that's what we're called to do, to stand for truth. See, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not going to become this pro-Israel guru. But there is a part of me now that feels like the message has to get out there, that, that we need to. We need to stand with. Because I said this a couple of weeks ago, even before I went to Israel. I don't know. For the first time in my Christian life, I don't know if something happened in Israel if the United States would be there to back them up. Did you guys see that grenade launcher I was holding? If you flip that thing over and pull out the, pull out the magazine, it says, property of the United States of America. Not made in, property. We gave them those weapons. It's pretty cool. You know, it's not always going to be easy to stand up for Jesus. It's just not. And the persecution that I witnessed there and that I heard a lot about, it, it's in America. It is. It's not to that degree yet, but it's here. It's here. There will be a time when we'll be listening at the footsteps of the door for people coming to say, you can't do that here. You can't worship like that here. You can't say those things here. As a matter of fact, it's happening already. There are, there are pastors who are being asked to submit their sermons so they can be previewed before they're preached. Yeah. It's happening in America. I'm going to start moving away from sermons. I don't know what I'm saying until I get up there. Romans chapter 1. Because we don't have an excuse to be silent. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. First the Jews and also the Greeks. So we can't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we have to shout it and continue to shout it. These men and women that I, that I visited with, they are not ashamed. They are not afraid. They know at any minute they could get shot, beat, stabbed, ripped out of their homes, thrown in prison. Yet they continue to share the good news. Wow. Paul tells us, in Romans chapter 5, how, how we can obtain this kind of boldness. Because I'll tell you, it just, it's, you just can't muster it up. I don't care how tough you are. Okay, I don't care how bad you are. You don't muster up that kind of courage. That comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Lord. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Listen, it was the Holy Spirit's power and agape love that set the disciples on fire and made them beasts for Christ. Amen? And it's the same love of Jesus, and it's the same Holy Spirit that, that visited us this morning during worship that will set our hearts ablaze for Him, and we won't care what the, what the agenda says. We won't care what others say. We won't care about persecution because we're not ashamed gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I need to make a point here. I need to make something clear because we do need to be telling people about Jesus, but we don't need to be ramming it down their throat. Matter of fact, 
John chapter 3 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You don't ram Jesus down the throat of non-believers. It doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, many Christians believe that, that by running around shaking their judgment at finger, judgmental finger at the lost, they're doing something, and it doesn't work that way. It made me mad when I was a sinner and Christians came at me like that. It, it put me off. I don't want nothing to do with church if that's how it is. And we all know, family, that's not how it is, is it? So we can't behave that way. I've never seen somebody get saved by, you dirty, rotten sinner. Does it work? doesn't work. The gospel is a message of love, and God loves the lost. He loves the lost. And you won't convince people that the gospel is true. You won't convince them that, that God really loves them if they don't see love in you. You're, you're the walking Bible. You're, you are the... The living word is in you. You are the testimony of Jesus Christ. The way you carry yourself, the way you love others, the way you stand for truth and for love. Think about Peter. I was in that very very site where Peter denied Christ three times. At one point, we're on the Sea of Galilee, and the man... She, if I would have thought I was going to be saying all this stuff, I'd have pictures up there, but they're on Facebook. He said... He said, put your hand here and put your hand there. 70% of the New Testament happened right there. Wow. It's insane. And where I was, I was on the other side. Every time you read in scriptures where Jesus says, let's go to the other side, that's where I was at that time. And, and right behind me was the hill where, where Jesus cast out the, the de demoniac into the swine and they came down into the sea. Yeah, that's right where I was. I was like, come on, somebody. <laughs> ready to cast out some demons. Hallelujah. I was ready to get out of that boat and start walking on water. I almost did at the, at the salt sea or at the dead sea because it was so thick. I don't know if you saw me. I was floating. <laughs> Just a lot of water, my friend. But Jesus loves the lost so much. So St. Valentine, get back to our story. One night, Valentine did hear footsteps coming to his door. And the couple that he was marrying uh, got away, but he was, he was caught and put in prison. And his sentence was the sentence of death. And so that brings me to number two. Love always dies to self. There has to be a crucifixion going on in, within you. There has to be a death to self. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. Sometimes when I meet with couples before I marry them, I'll ask them the question. Here's a question for you two. Would you die for one another? And most couples say yes. And most couples, I believe, and I believe they mean that. Here's the, here's the challenge. Most of us will never face an opportunity to physically die for somebody. Israel, they experience that all the time. The first two days I was there, I was staying on the Sea of Galilee. Both those days, we were going to Jerusalem the next day to stay for the next four, three nights. Those two days before we went to Jerusalem, there were stabbings in the streets. What the terrorists do now is they come in with knives and they stab the first Jew they see. 
You know, we may never get a chance to die for another person, but every day we have opportunities to die to self. Every day we have opportunities to deny ourselves. And 1 John 3.16 says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. You know, again, that doesn't necessarily mean dying a physical death, but it does mean sacrificing our needs for the needs of others or placing other feelings above your own. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Amen? It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul goes on to say in, in Galatians 5.24, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions. And listen, we have to put to death the old nature which causes us to be selfish. Every one of us is born selfish. Think about babies. I want what I want. I want what I want. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And it doesn't change much, does it? I'm still the same way. I want what I want. Give me, give me, give me, give me. But we have to crucify that. We have to put that thing to death. That's the old nature. And, 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 and we can be the most loving, generous people in our lives if we don't crucify that part of our life. It will rear its ugly head every once in a while, and we'll put our needs above others. And I'm not saying you can't take care of yourself. Don't, don't put out of context what I'm preaching to you today. We're talking about love, and love always excludes self and puts others first. That's how you love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2 says, Walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet, swelling, swelling, <laughs> smelling. It's a swell aroma. You cannot walk in love and be selfish at the same time. You can't. Let me, let me finish the Valentine story. I'll just keep you five more minutes, okay? Is this coming out okay? I'm not, I'm not preaching your faces off, but something in me here. St. Valentine, he, he tried to stay positive during his, his time in jail, and, and people would visit him, and they would throw notes and flowers to him. Well, it sounded like Valentine's Day a little bit. And they wanted, them to, they wanted Valentine to know that they believed in love too. So one of these young people was the daughter of the prison guard or the prison uh, keeper, and and he would allow his daughter to visit with Valentine. And she would tell him, I agree with you. I don't agree with, with what the emperor is doing. And, and you, sh you should be allowed to, to perform marriage ceremonies. And, 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 and that's cool. So the last point here is, is love puts Jesus first. Many of you probably went ahead and, and put others there. That's true, but really love puts Jesus first. You can't even put others first. You have to have Jesus first. 1 John 4 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. If we are truly living through Him, then we will be filled with His love. I always tell couples this, and you've heard me say this. You want to fall more in love with your spouse, fall more in love with Jesus first. Listen, if your love meter for others is low, your love relationship with Jesus is low. That's how you know. If you're irritated by others, if, you, if you're on edge with others, you probably are not in great relationship 
with Jesus. Now I'm meddling. That's my job as your pastor. It's the truth, though. Check it. 1 John 4, 16, and we know we have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. To abide means we become a new creation. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, right? There is a new creation. To be truly born again means we want to please Jesus. We want to please him. I'm closing with this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So, so what commandment are we talking about here? And Jesus was asked the same question by a Pharisee in Matthew chapter 22. They said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, love always puts Jesus first. When Jesus is first, listen, I adore my wife. She is the love of my life. Jesus is numero uno. He comes first in my life. Makes me a better husband. Makes me a better pastor. Makes me a better friend. Makes me a better leader. Even makes me like myself better. Mm -hmm. So here's how the Valentine story ends. On the day that he was going to die, he left the young lady a note, thanking her for her friendship and her loyalty. And he signed it, love from your Valentine. So that note started the tradition today that we've been doing on this day for many years. He was actually put to death on February 14th, 269 A.D. Almost 2,000 years of tradition. So... Now when people think about the Emperor Claudius and they remember how he tried to stand in the way of love, you have to laugh because love can't be beaten. Love can't be beaten. And his name is Jesus. Listen, God loved us enough to die for us. Valentine loved God enough to die for him. What a better way to celebrate Valentine's Day today than to commit or recommit your life to Jesus. Would you do that with me? With every head bowed in this place. You're here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor, I love Jesus, but I'm missing it. My love meter is low. And I just want to rededicate. I just want to recommit. I want to, I want to do over today. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know, I've never given my life to Jesus. I, I've never made that commitment. And you don't know. The question is this. Eternal life is real. And if you leave here today and something happens to you, will you end up in paradise with him? Or the alternative? And only you can answer that question. So if you're here and you say, you know, I, I choose Jesus, just slip up your hand. Say, Pastor, I choose Jesus. So let's just pray this together. Say, Jesus, 
I choose you. Help me to love the way you love. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying for me. Today, crucify my flesh. Help me to take on your character and come more like you to show your love to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.